Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. Are we getting, are we ready to get into the Word now? Is that right? Okay. My question before you, you know, it's all about introspection. What's the thing that bothers you? That weighs heavy on you. I'm not talking about rough toilet paper and the guy that cuts you on the lawn. I'm talking about what, what kind of bothers you and weighs on you on the behalf of another individual. Perhaps it could be an injustice that you saw, whether on TV, whether in person. Maybe, maybe you see somebody or know somebody with a specific need. Maybe there's a need within a community that, that you can easily identify and see it's clear. But for whatever reason, it's not clear to anybody else. But for you, there's clarity in that. Oh, I know what that is. You know, that, th- this neighborhood, that industry, this place, this, it needs this. Someone that's hurting, going through something. We got a lot of people going through some stuff right here within our family. We have an opportunity and a privilege to come alongside of them and walk the walk alongside of them. Sometimes it's not what people can do for me. It's, 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 it's what people can help me, support me, so I can do for myself. But I got to realize and understand I can't always do it by myself. That's, that's a lie from the pit of hell. For whatever reason, I remember as growing up as a young man, I, I used to be taught that you needed to be independent. That you need to learn how to do things on your own and for yourself. And you can't trust anybody and confide on anybody. Don't rely on anybody because everybody will always let you down. But if you do it on your own, you know what that does? Isolates you. Sets you apart. And that's a, that's a strategy of the adversary because he's the one that came to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. He's the one that came to divide and conquer. And whenever you see someone being divided, isolated, pushed away, whether it's because someone came in to drive that wedge, whether it's thoughts or offenses that may rise within your heart, when you find yourself kind of separated from the very support network that can render you love in a time of difficulty, that's a strategy of the adversary. So I just want to expose him right now. Don't allow yourself to fall into that. You heard something that maybe you didn't like, maybe you didn't agree on? Come to the brother. Come to the sister. Give it a little opportunity. The Bible says, you know, well, we don't speak to anybody until we've first spoken to God. If I see something on it with, with, with an individual, how many of y'all know that before I come and talk to you, I've already prayed to God. I've already spent time in my prayer closet. I've been thinking about you. I've been praying over you. And, and usually when I approach... Right? I've already spent some time within, within the presence of the Lord. Why is it that I do that? Father, remove me from the equation. Remove my feelings, my emotions. This has to be based upon you and, 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 and your work within the individual. And normally whenever you give it and you do it God's way, man, it's incredible what God would reveal. So what is it that really disturbs you and upsets you? 
abuse, someone that's been abused, domestic violence, someone that has been neglected, paying no attention is abuse also. A lot of children are neglected at homes, and that's, a, that, that, that's, that's part of abuse. Does it disturb you? Make your blood boil. Got to tell you, this is, this is a bullet point. If you're one of those that take notes, which is highly encouraged here at the peak, the burden you bear often reveals the calling you embrace. You know, you, you rarely know when you're on the front end of something really, really special. When we started here, the peak, I say three years that we're celebrating anniversary of Sunday worship. But I was within this community years before that already tilling the ground, trying to get a pulse, figuring out what the need of the community was. Because it wasn't a matter of me going into seminary and coming with a model and say, oh, you know what, I'm going to plant the church, I'm going to follow this model uh, because that, that's, that's successful. Business would maybe teach you that, but that's not the way it happens in the kingdom. Every community is different. Every demographic is different. Every need is different. And so when we came and we planted, what I needed to do was ministry of presence as a chaplain. Well, I felt God was calling me into chaplaincy because there was a community in need. There was a community in crisis. So when I came and we started, we started out with a Monday night Bible study just to get within the community and start meeting people. That Monday night Bible study then turned around and, and started uh, uh, with the Wednesday night Kylie Center. And we started the, the youth outreach in the Kylie Center. Twelve people volunteering going out. We started modeling with the kids and we had the bigger kids serving the little kids. And we were doing an amazing job over there. And then that built us over to GDX and we bridged, made that bridge within the community. And so that here, ministering to the children wound up building the bridges and the relationships to the people in in the apartments to the parents had no idea what we were building or or doing 15 people no money right no resources i mean i was living still am living paycheck to paycheck (laughs) who is it (laughs) but 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 here you know it's this it's this whole faith no experience. We had no building. Like, God, how am I going to, how do you want me to go plant the church we, 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 without any of this? But I felt the passion. I felt the call. I heard the call. And so, so I, I saw a need. What's a need? Every neighborhood needs a what? Needs a good Bible study. Because one of the things that I want to eradicate is biblical illiteracy. We found the opportunity to help. The door opened up. We gave it a shot. Now check it out. Three years later, we provide high level of professional ministry. We have a variety of outreaches within the community. I get to serve this city as the senior chaplain to the police department, office of emergency management, to the EMTs. Yesterday we were doing the Peak Skill 5K. What an amazing, amazing day. Uh, you know, be able to fellowship amongst the heroes, leaders, and role models, the people that would sacrifice everything in volunteerism, would risk their own lives for the love of those within their community. Come on, man. Those are heroes. We've had over 2,000 downloads on our podcast a year. Look around. We're a church of 70, 80 on the good days. We're, we're 100, 115 on a Sunday morning. 
But the fact of the matter is we've got over 2,000 people downloading the, the messages on a, on a uh, what is, where's Oscar? What, what's the number? I, I want to be accurate. Yeah. How many downloads do we have a year about? About eight. Are you serious? Last year we were like at 2,000, 3,000 downloads. Independent downloads. 8,000 independent downloads. You just don't know when you're on the front end of something really special. Forming relationships with ministries. Walter Hovingholm up in Garrison. Huh? With Brooklyn Teen, Adult and Teen Challenge. We've got Samaritan's Purse, Convoy of Hope, and several others. Solid. Solid ministries. And I've got to tell you, family, that exactly where some of you are right now is the platform that God wants to use to establish a ministry, to establish a service. Have you, have you been considering serving? Is it something that, you know, has crossed through your mind? Be part of the setup team. So you come in, all right, so the sacrifice. What's the sacrifice? Oh, i got to wake up an hour and a half earlier? To get to the church, it's an hour and a half sacrifice and a little uh, sweat equity. But then you look at, the, look at the event. You know, you come in and some people was with the attitude, oh, we're stacking chairs, connecting cables, laying down speakers, putting up lights and all of that. But the end result is an atmosphere that has been established for the glory of God that, that we can make a safe and, and, and pleasant environment where people can actually lay down some of their defenses and, and, and become vulnerable and be able to worship God in a safe place that's conducive to his presence. It's not just stacking chairs. We're not, we're not just connecting speakers and, and setting up lights. Come on. You have no idea when you're on the front end of something really special. And in my eyes, we just started scratching the surface because the fact of the matter is many of you all know that the vision for this church is not just to be occupying this building, but this building would be solely occupied for children's ministries and youth outreaches and adult services and nursery will actually be meeting in the Paramount. Weekly services held here Sunday morning will be in two buildings. That's a fish. Scares, scares the bejesus out of me. But when you have, when you have that call, that passion, it doesn't, it doesn't let me sleep at night. We started about the good work in Nehemiah, starting the good work. Last week, we spoke about the Jews in exiles. Jerusalem was in ruins. The gates were burned down to the ground. Israel was looked upon as a reproach. There was an ordinary guy, just one man in, in an extraordinary position, really, but he was, he was a cupbearer, that, that, that butler. He was a butler to the king in, in service. And one day, just, you know, an ordinary guy doing ordinary service, connecting lights, stacking chairs, was able to hear something that caused an intrigue. And when his brother came back from Jerusalem, he asked him, 
tell me, tell me about my people. Tell me about our city. What's going on? And, and he laid down this, that, 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 that those uh, 50,000 Jews that were actually released to be able to go back, they had no leadership. They had no, no, no guidance. And, and they were trying to rebuild, but they couldn't rebuild. And, and everything was still laid in ruin. And he came back, and he didn't have a positive report. And upon hearing the reproach of his people, the, the condition of Jerusalem, how it weighs laced, for whatever reason, it, it laid heavy upon his heart. Now, now this was a normal guy who, in a normal position, he wasn't a king, he wasn't a leader, he wasn't a warrior, he wasn't a priest, and he wasn't a pastor. He was just an ordinary guy. No formal appointment, but he had passion. Remember, I said one of those bullet points last week, if you didn't get it last week, I encourage you to write it down right now. You don't always need to be appointed by man if you have been called by God. Huh? God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He places the calling within you and places that fire within you, and there's not a devil in hell that's going to be able to quench it. It's going to burn inside of you. It's that passion that drives. Position versus passion. You take passion every time. Character over skill set. You take character every time. In the corporate world, when I was firing and hiring and I had to sit down and do the interviews, I didn't care how much you knew. I cared how much you cared. didn't care, you know, uh, I can train someone to do the administrative stuff. I could train someone to go out and, and do the mechanical stuff. I could train someone to do the work part. But I, I don't have the time to train someone how to do the right thing at the right times for the right reasons. I can't teach somebody integrity and character within, within, within an interview. And in management, what do you think is more important? A person's character or how much they know? I'll take character, hands down. So he got this passion, and what did he do? Last week's message, I broke it down real easy, CPA. It's the CPA. He gave, his help, he gave himself the opportunity to be vulnerable. He cried about it. When, when, when it weighed on heavy and he shed those tears and he cried about it, he went down and he sat and he prayed about it. And everything that we ought to be doing and contemplating doing should always be saturated in prayer. And after he prayed about it, he stood up and acted. He did something about it. CPA, cry, pray, act. Somebody's got to do something. Might as well be me. Today I want to give you four quick points in regards to how do you start then to make the difference. This is all about making a difference. And my first point for today is to, should be our first point in anything. Seek God faithfully. Before you act, before you do anything, why would you even step out without first covering yourself in the presence of God? You know how many times? All right, so many of y'all know I was in a commercial roofing. And um, so, little technical stuff with my hands. 
you know, every day I, I would always pray, a uh, tailgate safety meeting with the team. Lord, guide, guide our steps and, you know, uh, 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 bless the, the production of our hands. I mean, when you go into work and you begin handling your work that way, then all of a sudden the thing, don't you know? That days I would go in and for whatever reason, the drill's not working, the sawzall's backing up, kicked back, someone almost fell off the roof. I got all of these things going on. I'm like, man, what's going We didn't pray. And the moments that, you know, you take and you pause. And I had guys that were on my team. Well, you know, I mean, all right, so I was project manager. You, <laughs> you didn't have to pray, but we was going to pray. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to lead, right? Twelve times we see evidence of Nehemiah coming back to the Father to pray before he act, before he does anything. Seek God. It'll go well with you. And listen to the timeline, all right, because it's important. He hears the news in the month of Kislev, which is between November and December. Um, he prays, and then he gets into the month of Nisan, which was four months later. What was he doing for four months? What was he doing before Kislev and, and Nisan? He was praying and fasting. You think that this prayer thing is just a quick, uh, you know, overnight, let me just shoot a quick arrow. And when, when there are things that you need to see done and accomplished, when, when you want to see the hand of God come and infiltrate and manifest itself within the circumstances and situations of your life and the life of your loved ones, you think that it's going to take a quick two-minute, three-minute prayer? I have travailed. I have shed tears. There, there have been things that God has challenged me with that, that costed. Now, it wasn't sweat equity. I mean, it was tears, crying, brokenhearted for people. And then the joy when you could see God. I'll never remember. I'll never forget. This is probably one of the times when I remember praying the hardest. I mean, fierce because I, I saw the injustice. I thought it was unfair. I had a brother. We had a brother, Yorktown Assembly of God. We had a brother. His name was Jamie. I won't give you his last name, but he was a dear brother, and he was uh, um, law enforcement uh, prior to law enforcement. He was on vacation with his family, just chilling. This dude was an awesome dude, sweet guy, beautiful family, in the house of the Lord, involved in Royal Rangers. I mean, he was just this leader, and, 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 and all of a sudden on a trip, he, he got deathly sick. I'm talking about he went into this deep coma so bad that the hospitals that he was at in Puerto Rico didn't have the equipment to be able to even sustain his life. And he couldn't even have been moved from where he was. He was fighting for life and death, and he was closer to death than he was ever near to life. That was not a good report. They were not expecting him to make it. His family was broken and destroyed. And I remember as, as a young Christian how that broke my heart. I pray tears. I mean tears because I love this dude. And I know God's hand is still on him. Because guess what? It's been years and, and, and he's still alive and he was able to make it back and, and it was against the odds. Imagine how tricky it must have been for Nehemiah when he was approaching the king. What was he getting ready to ask the king? Do you know that in order, for, you know, uh, for Eastern kings back in the day, they were protected from any bad news? 
uh, um, um, anything that would disturb them or, and, and, and what have you. Like, they were protected from that. They didn't want to approach them with uh, heavy news and burdens. And, and that, was, that was a problem. So Nehemiah turns around, and in chapter 2, uh, right around uh, the middle of verse 1 through 4, we're going to pick it up this morning. Do you have it up? Yeah. Amen. And it came, um, I had not been sad in the presence, in, his, in the king's presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. The king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for this opportunity this morning to gather, to worship, to be in your presence, just to feel you, Lord God, and, and to be able to fellowship amongst one another. I thank you, God, for this morning and, and even for the celebration that we're able uh, to share. I pray right now, Lord God, that you would fill my mouth with the words that this congregation needs to hear. Even as you have prepared my heart, Lord God, in the preparation of this message, I pray, God, that you have already prepared your people's heart to receive it. And so that then this seed, O oh God, would go forth and multiply and bring forth the harvest for the glory of your name. Amen and amen. When it comes to prayer, family, nothing is too big for God's power or too small for God's heart. I remember when, 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 when we started this endeavor, I was working for a company called Nation's Roof. I was the uh, service manager. I had uh, about 15 mechanics. Um, we had about six vans that went out on a daily basis. I ran the service uh, part of, of, of the roofing department. And it was, a, you know, it was millions of dollars uh, of, of invoicing and, and billing. And, and uh, I was kind of thrusted into that position. And, and um, I moved up, and, and God blessed me. God blessed me in that position, except that I had this struggle. I knew I was, being, I was successful, but I wasn't doing what I was called to do. And I felt like I was robbing God. And I had to kind of figure out how I can transition and how I can leave that and at the same time then come and, and follow the pursuit that, that, that God put, put, put inside of me. And that's difficult when it comes to finances. How many people know that money runs the world? or at least the economic part of it. And, uh, you know, mortgages and payments and, and bills and insurance. And how do you even, it makes no sense. There's no way that I'd be able to do this. But God. But God. I didn't think that my wife would even sign off on it. For the first time in our lives, we were, almost, we were making comparable salaries. You know, my wife's got double masters. She's, you know, an administrator in, in the public school systems down in the Bronx. I, she's a professional. I, I mean, she's always made more money than I did. A lot of times, almost twice as much. <laughs> Carried the heavy burden. And so for the first time in our lives, like, we were making comparable salaries. We were both in the six-figure range. Thought that it was great. Now I'm going to turn around. I feel God calling me out and going into ministry. I, 
I was scared. I said, God, you better put it in her heart the way you put it in my heart because there is no way I'm stepping out unless she's alongside of me, you know, uh, uh, in agreement with this. And so uh, I remember it was shortly after my mom had passed away. I was challenged, and, and God, what am I doing with my time? I'm not serving you. And you begin to assess in those moments of life. And, and so I finally, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to answer the call. And, and it was just, it, it, was, it, was, it was enough was enough. And so I wrote a resignation letter. And so here's my manipulation tactic, right? I wrote, I wrote up the resignation letter. I put it together. And, you know, my wife, the principal, I said, uh, hey, babe, do me a favor. Can, can you proofread this for me? So I gave her the letter, and I walked across the room. <laughs> I'm just watching her read it, like waiting for her reaction, trying to see what she's going to say. That I'm, She pulls out her pen like, you know, a teacher would do. This wrong, and she looks and she says, "It's really good. I think it's well crafted." Um, how much notice are you giving him, and when are you leaving? What? Who's going to pay the mortgage? How are we going to pay the bills? Do you have another job lined up? I mean, those are all the questions that I'd be asking. She turns around. She tells me, "Rob, you'll never be at peace unless you do what God puts onto your heart." And she came came alongside of me. I resigned. With no second job, no planning, no nothing. Like just, just, just left and started that new year with this in mind. Let me tell you something, family. If, if prayer isn't necessary to accomplish the vision that God has put in your heart, you're not thinking big enough. You ought to be challenged. You ought to be frightened. You ought to be scared of what God is putting within your heart. And when you get to that point of that challenge... Then, then we could start releasing faith. So, first point is um, seek God faithfully. Second point, divine the vision clearly. For most people, it's not a lack of caring that's the problem. It's a lack of clarity. People will have big hearts. They just have poor structure. King asked Nehemiah, what can I do? Come on, when you, got a when you got a person in that position, in a kingly position, asking you, what can I do? I mean, resources are unlimited. And so Nehemiah turns around and answers the king in verse 4, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight. Huh? This is my desire, but the call is yours. If I have found favor in your sight, and if it pleases you, if you can catch the vision of what God is putting within my heart. That was his response. Then, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Very, very simple, very clear. It's a one statement mission. Please send me to Judah so I can rebuild it. I want to rebuild the city. He didn't say, well, there's something that I've been thinking about. You know, my Aunt Jackie from Austining, she had three kids, and one of them, my cousin Lisa, she sent me this link to an article that I read it from Christian Magazine, and it was all about maybe doing a mission trip. And, you know, I was getting kind of tired just, you know, I mean, what do I do here, really? I just pour your wine and, 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 and drink it and taste it for you. And, um, you know, I've always wanted to travel and, 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 and see abroad. So, you know, I figured maybe I'll send a couple of letters and um, ask some people to give. 
And, you know, well, if, if, if they do give, then I just figured, um, you know, I, I might go and see what I can do, you know. Not a very uh, reassuring, uh, um, you know, testimony. Like, it, 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 you know, a lot of ifs, what's, maybes, thens. Does it sound like there's a lot of confidence in an individual? You need to know what your idea is. You need to be able to uh, delineate it. For most people, it's not a lack of caring. It's, it's a lack of clarity. What's your vision? What, what is it that God I mean, Helping children? Which ones? All of them? Some of them. The ones that don't have basic needs? The ones that can't read? Or maybe uh, dyslexia? Special needs? The ones that don't have homes, the ones that have been abused, like which ones? Because there are a lot of kids and a lot of them need a lot of help. And, and the help that they need can be in a lot of different areas. What's your vision? Can you detail it? Where are you going to do this? In your backyard, in another country, within your community, in your school? What does help them actually mean? Would you be providing medical attention, education, resources, uh, maybe um, hygienical needs, or, or, or if they're homeless, maybe, maybe it's fi fi find a home. If you can't define it, you can't do it. And so what God puts within your heart, the relationship that you have with me, is that we can begin to have these conversations. And so my job almost becomes the one of coming alongside of you. I start asking the questions. You start kind of jotting it down because it's going to what? It's going to take the bones that you have in your mind and it's going to start add, adding the, the, the tendons and the muscles and the skin. I love uh, um, Eunice has a, 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 a uh, sign that says if, um, if, if, if you can dream it, it's possible. If you can plan it, it's probable. So can you define it? I needed to define something because look at what we started here. And so right on the outset of the beginning, here's, here's our mission statement for the peak. This is a vision statement. Our vision statement more than just a new church plant, we see a movement that will consistently create an environment in which people through spirit-filled worship, the preaching and teaching of sound doctrine, and the fellowship of the saints can have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. To develop and sustain ministries of compassion along with biblical studies that will mature the saints into God's abundant living to declare an entire city for Jesus Christ. That's our vision. That's the vision of this church. And when you come alongside of that, when, when you give contributions, when you tithe here, or if you don't tithe, or maybe you contribute, everything that you do and, and place within this church is to accomplish that vision. That's, that's our objective. And to line it up into a mission statement, it is our purpose to proclaim the full gospel of Jesus Christ in order to see the people of this city come into personal relationship with the God who created them. To disciple and train the congregation for the work of the ministry, seeking to reproduce Christ-like image in every believer. That's our mission. So that's our mission statement, and that's our vision statement. What is God leading you to do?
Because now that's a discussion that we need to have one-on-one. And we can start developing this plan. Send me to Judah so I can rebuild it. He can be uh, leading you to lead your family to become totally debt-free by the end of 2020. uh, Besides mortgage and car payment. Or maybe to have a personal conversation about Jesus with everyone in your class before you graduate. To start an after-school Bible club in Peekskill High School. That's one, of, that's one that God is placing within my heart. And I'm praying that, that God will speak to individuals. I, I, I mean, I see it. I think we're on the cusp. And, and I think that God is raising the leader uh, to do that. But how awesome would that be? To be able to have a Bible book club in Peekskill High School that would be student-led under the facilitation of a teacher and a pastor. Eradicate Bible poverty by the year 2033 as a state goal. Come on, we got 8,000 downloads. We can get everyone biblically literate within this state by 2033. That's a long-term goal, but I think we can do it. If you, can't, if you can't define it, you can't do it. If your vision isn't clear, people can't follow it. Seek God faithfully, devise the vision clearly, make plans carefully. A goal without a plan is just a wish. Nehemiah 2, 6 through 8. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him sounds like a wise king. Making his decisions with his queen alongside. We should operate that way, men. How long will your journey take and when will you be back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Okay, Boom, by this time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have, check out, I love his, I mean, he had a set. I mean, he, he, he was, hmm. I also said to him, <laughs> sometimes when you get the answer you want, what, you're going to send me? Well, since you send me, can I also? <laughs> so I also said to him, well, if it pleases the king, right? May I have letters to the governors of trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? And, and, and may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make the beams for the gates of the citadel, by the temple and for the city wall, and for the residences I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. Let me tell you something, family. This is a true story. His will, his bill. If he places something within your heart to do, all he's waiting for is for the, for the faith, for you to step out and do it. The moment we start doing it, he starts providing it. Just one right thing after the other. It's a, it's, it's a walk of faith. I would have never thought that we would be where we're at, and, and I know the vision that he's given me for where we're going. Oh, what do he ask? He asked for protection, and he asked for provision. Well, since it pleases you to send me, could you also uh, flip the bill on this? <laughs> Come on. Sometimes you've got to be radical in your faith and believe that, you know what? Somehow, some way, if God placed it and it's his will, he's already figured out the provision, the resource for it. His will, his bill. 
plan doesn't have to be perfect. It never is. But it always has to be started. You'll never finish what you don't start. And sometimes you just need the momentum of starting something and it takes a life of its own. And then you're just trying to actually kind of keep up with it. <laughs> and a lot of times that's how I feel like I'm doing this. I'm like almost keeping up with it because it's almost taken off without me. Thank God for, for the leadership and for the people that God has put here to, 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 to govern this. So what do you do? You do your research. Is it a ministry? Find out who's doing something similar to that and then set up an appointment, set up a meeting, go take a tour of their facility, ask some questions. Um, is there an idea that's upon your mind, man? Start Googling it. Get some online classes. Find a mentor that would be able to teach you. Write a business plan. Huh? Listen to podcasts. I listen to podcasts. I'm in the car. I do a lot of travel. I, I have leadership podcasts, ministry podcasts, church planting podcasts. I try to listen to at least three to four of them on a week-to-week -week basis so that I can sharpen this sword. Amen? If you're going on a date, take a bath. Sell your PS4. Buy a collared shirt, man. Go to Jeanstown and visit Antonio and, and get hooked up so you're flossing. Like, like if you're going to do something, don't you want to prepare for it? <laughs> There's preparation. You know, success isn't the accomplishment in the future. It's doing the right thing today. If you're doing the right thing, time after time, you're going to get the right results and you will be successful. Seek God faithfully, divine, define the vision clearly, make plans carefully. Last but not least, inspire people passionately. Eunice has a sign that says, good teachers teach, great teachers inspire. And oftentimes, part of my job here is to be able to inspire you. To be able to stir up the gifting that God placed inside of you. Part of my job is to help you identify what's coming, what's around that corner. Because guess what? Every good work is going to come with opposition. It's going to come with its attacks. So guess what? It's not that I want to be a wet blanket or a party pooper, but I'm the one that's going to ask the difficult questions. Did you think about this? What are you going to do when this happens? There's going to be opposition. You're going to go through a season of discouragement. You're, you're going to go through discomfort. Whenever, whenever something great's going to be birthed out of you, it's going to come with pain. It's going to come with sacrifice. It's going to come with brokenheartedness. So we prepare, and we train, and we get ready. That's why fighters, when, when before they get into the ring, they're studying the tape, football. They're studying the tape. What's their defensive line look like? What's their offensive coordination look like? We, we study the adversary. So that we're ready for the distractions that are going to come. We know that we're already going to be fatigued, so that when we get fatigued, it doesn't catch us off guard. Is it worth it? 
Is it even possible? Nehemiah 2, 17, 18. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be a disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God that's on me and what the king has said to me. Inspire people to have faith. Have faith that God is for them, not against them. To, to have faith that God is with them and not away from them. That, that God will, has the ability and the power to empower them to do something that matters. It's going to have eternal value. It's going to make a difference. We're called to make a difference. John Wesley said, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Let the passion inside of you burn. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to know what that fire is and come talk to me, man, because, because I got, I got gallons of gasoline. I just want to pour on it. had a passion to build this church to plant this church to reach the lost the hurting the ones that are suffering with the gospel of truth many of y'all know i had a very checkered past and and god's given me a heart for our first responders and and law enforcement and 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 uh, uh, our emts and our firefighters and and what a privilege i have to be to be able to minister amongst them from amongst their ranks to to have been accepted and received among them I, I i see i see i see you know multiple congregations here in peekskill i i get to serve you guys in this church and i get to s serve the other my other church on two nelson avenue <laughs> i want to see the captive set free and i'm not talking about just in prison I want to see the, uh, you know, true story. I was never freer than when I found myself incarcerated. When I came into that saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ was, it's all I needed at that moment in time. It filled me. It completed me. And at that moment, he set me free. I was never freer. There's so many people that are out here and have they think freedom and yet they're imprisoned by their minds their thoughts their desires and, and 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 by the influences of this world puppets being led astray by the lyrics of the music and and by the shows that they put on tv and oh my god the adversary is subtle what you care about isn't an accident god knew what he was doing when he made you and that passion that's inside of you he wants to bring out remember family the burden you bear often reveals the difference that you will make amen the peak community church is a young vibrant life-giving church in the heart of peekskill come and visit us on sunday mornings 10 a.m at the historic elks club 1038 brown street thank you for listening